Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Happy Monday. <gasps> is it? <laughs> is it a happy Monday? Guys, are you being affected by Mercury in retrograde like we are? <laughs> We've yeah. been talking about it for 20 minutes now. Mm-hmm. You can skip over if you don't believe. But like, man, things they are uh, – we're all on the struggle bus. All of our families, us. It's real mm-hmm. life in the closet. I wasn't, was not a believer until today. No, not today. This week, I <laughs> guess it was. That we started having this conversation and I was like, F Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> we only had May 14th, right? That's when I said it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get back in line. We t- just a few days, a week. We can do it. Isn't that Mother's Day too? Great Is it? Day. Oh, wow. See? I think, yeah. I believe I it. I believe I you. Um. Yeah. So when you hear this, I will be coming – no, yeah, I will be in Nashville still. Oh. oh, yes. You're not coming back until after? We are not coming back until Monday night. How fun. I am real excited to see Taylor. We have been doing the friendship bracelet thing all week. Nice. Fun. Fun. How many you got made? Um, I Only like eight. Oh. <laughs> Enough for us, basically. Right, yeah. Those, those things are really time-consuming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> little right. beads. Little mm-hmm. beads. Oh. Anyway, so fun, though. We're excited. Every time a song comes on the radio, we're like, ah! You know, I, I know. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm not even a huge Swifty, but like, I, it still would just be very cool to go. Um, but a friend of mine last night showed me a picture. I almost asked her to send it to me so I could send it to you because she got her daughter a denim jacket made on Etsy. And it says like, I think Taylor, maybe even Taylor Swift on the top, but then there's just like different um, song names. Mm-hmm. On I've totally that. seen them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big thing to do that. That, the denim jacket thing and the friendship bracelet things are mm-hmm. like what what people are about for this mm-hmm. tour. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you had so much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that I did. <laughs> Anyway, so what's going on with you? Not just Mercury. Lot. Just Mercury. <laughs> Mercury is messing with my life right now, and I want to sleep through it. <laughs> well, I completely understand. Um, if you want to get into something else depressing, I also have a case that you may want to sleep through. Okay. It's a rough one. It's a Mercury in retrograde ish case. Mary. Real depressing. Okay, fine. I'll sleep through it. But happy Monday, though. (laughs) All right, here we go. Okay. No. For today's case, I know. (laughs) Starting off with no. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's what my daughter does when I wake her up in the morning. (laughs) I say, good morning. No. To this morning, I said, happy Friday. And she goes, you mean Saturday. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not accept this. Okay. Anyway, super tangent. So let's laugh now because okay. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I am going to have a hard time getting through this case. I 100% am. I am breaking my own rules. Oh, no. It has finally happened. Mm. My fear has come true. And a terribly horrific child case has landed in my closet. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. So there's all your triggers for the episode. Mm -hmm. I am channeling you 
<laughs> for this because you can suck it up somehow and do it. And I just, just do not handle them well. Um, but I want to do my best to tell this baby story. I'm sure you will. So we'll see how it goes. And if I cry, um, this case was recommended to us by Ashley over on YouTube. Mm. And today we are heading to the land of our friends over at what happens in the woods. Mm. We will be spending this very sad, somber Monday in the Pacific Northwest. I wonder if this one's been on their radar at all. I would be surprised if it was not. Mm -hmm. We are going to be in a very cute little town called Lakewood, Washington. Lakewood is a small suburb suburb just south of Tacoma. Hmm. Okay. It's best known for housing a military base called McCord Air Force Base. Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> this is the case of Cindy Allinger. I don't know that name either, so. Okay. So, Cindy Ann Allinger, or Cindy, as she was known, Cynthia Ann Allinger, sorry, or Cindy, was born March 24th, 1987. This makes her an independent and energetic Aries, just like you. Cindy was born to Mother Rhonda Plank. I do not have a confirmed name for her father. I did see one in one source, but I didn't like that source, so I don't want to name him. Oh, okay. Um, It is my understanding that he was not in the picture much throughout Cindy's life, and actually at the time of our case, he was in prison. In Nevada. Oh, so not a very good man. I don't know what he was in there for because I couldn't look him up because I wasn't really sure if that's who it was. Mm -hmm. Cindy was the middle child of three sisters. She had an older sister, Brittany, and a younger sister, Ashley. Cindy was described as quiet and shy. She was very responsible. She was a very good friend. She was very girly, and she loved to wear dresses all the time. She had a gorgeous smile and big brown, bright eyes, Mm. which if you have brown eyes like me, it's very hard to have bright brown eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You really have to have like an inner light about you. Mm -hmm. And she did because all of the pictures, her eyes are just so bright. At the time of our case in the summer of 1996, Cindy was nine years old Mm. and getting ready for fourth grade in the fall. Oh, man. On July 4th of 1996, the whole town was celebrating Independence Day. Yes. Including Cindy and her family. Okay. Cindy and the other girls were in and out of the house all day, running around the neighborhood, playing with their friends, riding bikes, eating popsicles, probably drinking from the hose, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, all the 90s things. Cindy was wearing a dark blue dress with a flower print and fancy white trim. Mm. Her mom was also in and out of the house that day. She was talking to neighbors, watching the kids, making snacks, washing her car. You know, just it was 4th of July. Mm -hmm. At around 3 p.m., Cindy told her mom that she was going up the road to play with her friend. Cindy had a good friend that lived just a few houses away, and so her mom assumed that's where she was going, that's perfectly fine, be home by dinner, whatever, um, because they had planned to all go watch the fireworks that evening. But by dusk, all of the kids were home for dinner, except for Cindy. So Cindy's sisters made it home, there was not really any neighbor kids out and about, and 
No sign of her. No sign of Cindy. Hmm. So her mom, Rhonda, went to Cindy's friend's house that lived nearby, the one that she believed that she went to see. She knocked on the door. There was no answer, and it did appear that nobody was home. So another neighbor was outside at the time, and she saw Cindy's mom trying to knock on their door, and she said the family was out of town for the holiday. Oh. So there was no way Cindy had gone there to play that day. This immediately alarmed Cindy's mom because by now it was getting dark and she hadn't seen her since three o'clock. So she began walking around the neighborhood to all the places that Cindy would normally play. She knocked on doors. She spoke to kids, parents. No one had seen Cindy since earlier that day Mm -hmm. before three. So by this time, everyone was already gathering down by the like waterfront to watch the fireworks, which is something that Cindy would never miss. So she knew, her mom knew that something was very wrong, and she called 911 and reported Cindy missing. Police immediately launched what they describe as a mammoth investigation. Hmm. Hundreds of volunteers came out to search the area surrounding Cindy's home and in the neighborhood. A description of Cindy was released, including the description of the beautiful floral dress that she was last seen wearing. Volunteers and police searched all night long in the woods, creeks, industrial areas, neighborhoods, fields, farms, dumpsters. Oh, man. Acres and acres of land were searched for miles all night long, and there was no sign of Cindy. So, standard procedure, they start looking from the inside out, right? Mm-hmm. Cindy's father was in prison at the time, so he clearly was ruled out as being involved to have anything to do with her disappearance. Cindy's mom, Rhonda, was questioned very heavily. Police were a bit skeptical of her because originally on the 911 call, she had said that she last saw Cindy at around three that day. But when they brought her in and they were questioning her, she said, well, I can't really remember what time it was. I think it was around three. It might have been as late as four, 430. I'm not sure. They did give her a polygraph test and she failed. Oh, so that was a red flag to them. Do we know like what questions she failed? I think it was the question, do you know Cindy's whereabouts Uh-oh. or something like that. She she failed that one. So she was initially a suspect in the case. Her boyfriend was also questioned and given a polygraph. He was an ex-Navy SEAL and a pretty he- heavy drinker, and he did not have the best reputation around town and was known to have a temper. He was given a polygraph and passed, and he also had an alibi because he was confirmed to have been at work the entire evening of July 4th, which Mm. is the day that she went missing. So he was somewhere else. Police investigated all of the registered sex offenders in the area, and they were shocked that there were 64 of them. Oh, my gosh. 64 sex offenders in this small town. Wow. I know. I even mm. saw an interview with her mom after the fact that she said that when she found out there were 64 sex offenders, she was like, well, we're moving. Mm -hmm. All of the sex offenders were cooperative. They answered police's questions. They provided alibis. Some of them even allowed police to search their homes and properties. So they were all ruled out. Flyers were distributed and Cindy's picture and description went out on all the news broadcasts. A $5,000 reward was put up by authorities. Police questioned neighbors, community members for any sighting of Cindy on the day that she went missing. Two witnesses came forward. One was an adult neighbor. One was a child. 
saying that they had seen a girl matching Cindy's description walking into the woods, holding hands with a tall, thin man with long hair. The girl that they saw was wearing a dress similar to what Cindy was last seen wearing, and the man was seen wearing denim shorts and a tie-dye shirt. Hmm. Put that in your noggin because it's going to be important later. Denim shorts and a tie-dye shirt. <laughs> Aren't they called jorts? Yes. <laughs> or wait, is that what they're called? Jean mm -hmm. shorts? Mm -hmm. Jorts? Yeah, okay. Police also continued to question people closest to Cindy and her family. And a couple of days after her disappearance, they spoke to her sisters. Remember, she has an older sister mm -hmm. and a younger sister. Cindy's younger sister, who she was very close to, Ashley, was seven at the time. And she said that when Cindy left that afternoon, July 4th, that she told her she was going to see her friend Raz. Uh, who's that? Well, Ashley told police that Raz and Cindy had been friends for a while and that Cindy liked to visit Raz at his house because she liked his dog. When police asked Cindy's mom who Raz was, she knew exactly who they were talking about and she freaked out. So Rhonda, Cindy's mom, told police that Raz lived a few streets away from where they lived. She said that Cindy had told her months before that she had a new friend named Raz, and wanted to invite him over to their house to play. So she asked Cindy how, how she could get a hold of Raz's parents and, you know, how old is he? And Cindy said, well, he's about your age, mom. <gasps> no. So Cindy's mom came to learn that Raz was actually a 30-year-old man named Guy Rasmussen. Is he one of the sex offenders that's the 60 no. sex offenders? No. No. Oof. She told Cindy that she should never be hanging out with a grown-up alone for any reason and that she was not to go see Raz anymore. Mm -hmm. So when Cindy's sister was now saying that she went to see this grown man on the day she disappeared, alarm bells went to ring in. So police began looking into this friend, in mm -hmm. quotes, of Cindy's, Raz, or Guy Rasmussen. Mm -hmm. He was a character, this man. He did not have a formal job, but he was a drummer in a local band. He had no car, so he was known to walk on trails through the woods to get anywhere that he wanted to go around town, or he would get rides from friends. Hmm. He was very tall, very thin, and had long curly hair and a mustache and beard. I will post a picture of him. It's, it's something. I already have a vision in my head. I bet you do. He mm. also wore very hippie type clothing, mm -hmm. like tie dye shirts and beanies. He's very distinct looking. Mm -hmm. You would not mistake him for someone mm -hmm. else. He did not live far from where Cindy's home was, and he did have a dog, as well as a jam studio in a garage behind his home. That's what he called it, his like mm -hmm. jam studio. This man, Raz. Guy Rasmussen matched the description of the eyewitnesses who had seen Cindy walking into the woods holding hands with a tall, thin man with long, curly hair, wearing a tie-dye shirt and jorts. <laughs> See, that's what I'm – honestly, that's what I'm – I'm also envisioning that they're short. Oh, I don't think they were. Okay. I think they were like dad shorts. Okay. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'll send you a picture later. Okay. What was most concerning about this Raz person is that he had a criminal past, including sexually violent crimes against minors. 
In what? 19, I know. Why wasn't he on the sex offender list? I'm going to get there. Okay. In 1982, in Tacoma, when he was a teenager, Guy Rasmussen was convicted of sexually assaulting a 16-year-old girl. He served five years in prison for that attack, but when he got out, he did not have to register as a sex offender because that was not a law back then. Oh, shut up. Then, in 1990, he pled guilty for attempting to assault a 10-year-old girl in Olympia, Washington, he had tried to grab her while she was on her bike, but thankfully she got away. He served five months for that offense, but did not have to register as a sex offender because they could not prove he was going to sexually assault her. What, um, what, when was that law put into place that you have to register? Do you know? I'm sorry. Um, it was sometime in the late 80s, I believe. Okay. And so his first um, mm-hmm. offense was in 1982, so early 80s. Okay. He has also, they discovered, been a suspect in two other unsolved murders of young girls. Both of these girls were hit in the head, raped, murdered, and left in the woods. But there was never enough evidence to connect him to either of those cases, even though he had failed polygraphs in both of them. Goodness gracious. So he's a seedy dude. Yeah. With a past. Mm Mm-hmm. So based on this circumstantial evidence, on July 7th, three days after Cindy went missing, police got a search warrant for Rasmussen's home. They used dogs around the home and property to try to pick up on Cindy's scent, but they did not alert anywhere. All of this guy's clothing was being stored in a bathtub in his home. So that's where he put all his dirty clothes which is really weird. Mm -hmm. Um, So police confiscated clothing, shoes, um, and just other items in the home to test for DNA or any other evidence of Cindy's DNA, including denim shorts and several tie-dye T-shirts. Police did find a dark stain near the zipper of a pair of these denim shorts that did test positive for blood, and possibly another stain that kind of looked like a blood stain on one of the T-shirts. These items were sent to a forensic lab for DNA testing. But at this time, that's a very lengthy process. Mm -hmm. This is 1996, so it's not like you're going to have it back Dexter style in days or even weeks. Mm -hmm. Rasmussen had an alibi for the day that Cindy went missing. He claimed that he left town for a music festival for three days in another county. He said that he was picked up at a store by one of his friends who drove him to the festival and that he left before three o'clock, which means that he was not in town after Cindy was last seen by her mom. Rasmussen claimed that he had met Cindy one time when she walked by and noticed his dog and stopped to play with the dog and then commented on his jam room behind his house. But he claimed that he had no other contact with her other than that and had nothing to do with her disappearance. Police did find a hand-drawn picture of his dog, clearly made by a child, in his trash can, all ripped up. So that was strange. Mm -hmm. Rasmussen failed a polygraph, but... At this time, police had no evidence to connect him to dis- to Cindy's disappearance. Right. 
Then, on July 16th, 12 days after Cindy went missing, an off-duty police officer was searching in the woods off of a trail in sort of a dumping ground area where people would sneak and dump their trash or mattresses or couches. He saw a large rolled-up carpet and could see a small foot sticking out from inside of it. Oh, gosh. As he looked further, he saw the body of a young girl wearing the same blue floral dress that Cindy had been seen last wearing on the afternoon that she disappeared. This body was later positively identified as nine-year-old Cynthia Allinger. Mm. Okay, I'm going to apologize now for what I'm about to tell you about the sweet baby girl's final moments and what happened to her. So take a deep breath. Is this solved? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, it is solved, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. We can do this. We got Mm -hmm. this. Trigger. It was estimated that she was killed within minutes or hours of when she went missing. Mm. And that it had occurred in the woods near or around where she was found. Cindy was found rolled up in a large piece of carpet, likely one that had already been in that dumping area already. Her body and face were badly bruised. She had been hit in the head with a heavy, blunt object, and her jaw was broken. There was evidence of a very violent sexual assault. Her dress was pulled up above her waist, and her underwear were missing. Mm. She had three distinct cigarette burns on her legs, likely that happened while she was still alive. Okay, this is the hard part. Mm. Her underwear was found in her mouth shoved so far back that they were actually touching the vertebrae of her neck. Oh, my goodness. Her cause of death was asphyxiation as a result of the underwear in her throat, and this would have likely taken between two and four minutes. Oh, gosh. Because the body had been out in the elements for a couple of weeks and was pretty decomposed, there was very little evidence found on Cindy's body as far Mm. as forensic. Police brought in cadaver dogs to that area, hoping that Cindy's scent would have remained on the man who murdered her as they left the area. One of the dogs did hit on her scent and led police down a trail into a nearby grocery store, right up to a payphone, and then stopped. Hmm. Police dusted the phone for any prints, but there were so many that there was no way they could pinpoint any one specific fingerprint. So... We now know where Cindy is. We know what happened to her. We just need to figure out who did this. And police are still honing in on this guy Rasmussen character as being involved. So while they waited for the DNA results to come back, they put 24-hour surveillance on him, Mm -hmm. which I think is just so amazing. They were Mm -hmm. like, you're not going anywhere, sir, unless we know about it. Mm -hmm. And they questioned him further. They asked Rasmussen to take them everywhere he went that day that Cindy went missing. Like physically take them. Every trail you went down, every house you visited. So he did. He claimed that he was just, you know, around about whatever in the morning and that a little bit before three o'clock, he got ready to leave for the music festival for a couple of days. He said he walked down a trail to a payphone at a store to call his friend to come pick him up. His friend picked him up from the store around three o'clock and the two of them left to go to the music festival where he was confirmed to be for the next three days. Hmm. 
Police's surveillance of him was totally around the clock, and he got so mad and irritated that he said what he said the police were harassing him, and he actually went on a local radio show to proclaim his innocence and, like, tell his side of the story. Like, these police think that I killed this girl, and I didn't. I'm being wrongfully accused. Hmm. I listened to the interview. It's out there if you Mm want to hear it. Rasmussen's friend was interviewed, the one that picked him up and went to the music festival with them. He did confirm getting a call from him that afternoon and that he did pick him up from the store and spent the next few days with him at the festival, but the friend could not remember exactly what time mm-hmm. he got the call from Rasmussen or what time he picked him up, just that it was sometime on the afternoon of the 4th. But police ran phone records from that payphone and did confirm an outgoing call to the friend's number. However, this call was placed at 4.15 p.m., Mm. which is an hour and 15 minutes after Cindy was last seen by her mom Mm -hmm. and eyewitnesses. Even more interesting, the payphone that Rasmussen said he made the call from was the exact payphone where the dog traced Cindy sent to from Mm. the crime scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Police asked Rasmussen if he had been in the woods where Cindy's body was found, and he claimed that he had never been in that area of the woods before, not that day or any other day. But police are even more convinced than ever that he was responsible for Cindy's death, so they called in a forensic botanist. Oh. This specialist took Rasmussen's shoes and socks that were collected from his home during the search. On some of them, she found several species of plants and seeds that had been picked up while he was walking on the trails, 12 species to be exact. She compared those species to the vegetation on the trails where Rasmussen said he had walked that day. None of them were a match. So she then compared them to the vegetation in the area where Cindy's body was found and all 12 species were found in that area. So he had to have been there, or at least somebody wearing his shoes and socks were there. Right. We've never had a, a forensic, forensic botanist, botanist on this show. I, know. I oh. watched a forensic files on this case, and it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So finally, months after Cindy's murder, the DNA test results come back from Rasmussen's clothing. On the zipper of the pants were the presence of blood – They had found what they thought was blood. There was blood and semen mixed together. The blood was a match to Cindy Allinger's blood type. The semen was found to have been Guy Rasmussen's. Hmm. So on November 18th, 1996, while playing a gig at a local bar, Guy was arrested and charged with the kidnapping, rape, and first-degree murder of Cindy, and he pleaded not guilty. Okay. He went on trial in January of 1999. His defense was literally that the DNA was cor- incorrect. Uh, Can't DNA be right. doesn't lie. <laughs> Can't be her blood. No. So he claims that he was not in the area at all during the time frame of Cindy's murder. He was at the music festival. People saw him there. Too small of a window. No way he could have done it. The prosecution claimed that Guy Rasmussen had been grooming Cindy for quite some time. That he had lured her into the woods, hit her over the head with an unknown object. They never found what that was. Mm. Hopefully knocking her unconscious for what happened next, but Mm -hmm. we'll never know. Mm -hmm. Raped her, burned her body with the cigarettes, and then suffocated her with the underwear 
wrapped her in a carpet and left her, walked to the payphone and then left for the festival. So all of this took place very quickly between 3 and 4.15 p.m. Mm -hmm. Rasmussen was found guilty of all charges and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is currently 57 years old and incarcerated at the Washington State Prison in Monroe, and he continues to maintain his innocence, but he has lost all of his appeals. Now, in 2011, the Innocence Project Northwest got involved in Guy Rasmussen's case. They don't believe he did it? They do not believe he did it. They requested that all evidence be preserved. And then in 2013, Rasmussen and the Innocence Project and his legal team argued that the 1996 DNA testing used to convict him was rudimentary. And they requested that more modern testing be done on the blood and semen as well as DNA testing found in fingernail clippings, a sexual assault kit, and hairs that were found, I guess, on her body or around the crime scene. Mm -hmm. His defense claims that the blood found on Rasmussen's pants could not exclude Cindy as being a source, but it could not definitively prove that it was an exact match to Cindy either because DNA testing just was not that advanced in the 90s. Hmm. The prosecution said they did not oppose to retesting of any of these items, stating that they were confident it would only confirm their conviction based on all of the circumstantial evidence that they also had against him. As far as I can tell, it has never been ruled on whether or not additional DNA testing can be done. So nothing else has happened since they requested this. Interesting. And so they don't have I any, don't like, know. updates on their website or anything for it. No, and actually, interestingly enough, I went to their website, which is really not a very uh, user-friendly website, and I searched for him, and I couldn't find him on there. Mm. So I don't know if maybe they took him under their wing and then later were like, oh, actually, no. <laughs> right. I don't know that that's the case, but I couldn't find anything on their website about any kind of anything for him. Interesting. So he is still in prison, still claiming he is innocent and saying that he wants additional DNA testing. So that is the case of Cindy Allinger. Well, and you'd think if there was something to that in the last 12 years, Mm -hmm. they would have come out with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't take 12 years to retest stuff. So, Right. So I don't think that any judge or whatever said – ordered that anything be retested. Right. I you know what I also wonder is if does a judge have to order it if prosecution's like go ahead. Like we're I fine so. with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that a judge is more likely to order it if the prosecution doesn't oppose it. Mm. But I do think that he has to say somebody official unless they pay for it themselves, somebody official has to say yes, there are grounds to retest this DNA mm-hmm. evidence. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway, it's a terribly sad case. Terribly sad. I had nightmares. I have been in an awful space all week long. I bet. Um, She was so sweet. I can't wait for y'all to see a picture of this sweet girl. I hate that it happened on Independence Day. Like, how sad mm. is that? I know. Yeah. The 4th of July and this monster. Yeah. 
I would say it was like a crime of opportunity, but I don't think that's true. I believe that he was trying to groom her. Like what 30-year-old man hangs out with a nine-year-old in his backyard jam studio with his dog? No, Right. Yeah, no. She said he had a fr- she had a new friend named Raz with a dog. No, that that's total grooming and like mm-hmm. getting her to trust him and yeah, which is why I she mean, went off in the woods with him that day, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Gosh, man! Anyway. Uh, so you thank know, you, Ashley, you- for sending her case in, even yes. though it was rough. Yeah. Yes, you happened to get the wrong person for the job. You did. Oh, no. It was the right person for the job. You did it justice. And that's Thank you. That's not what I intended to say. I just meant that you don't want these cases typically. Mm-mm. No. So, oh, my gosh. You know what I was thinking in the very beginning of the story? Clearly, this is how I grew up. I'm going to so-and-so's house, blah, blah, blah. I'll be home right, by sure. whenever. Like, All of I mean, our kids do that. Yeah. And and. For the most part, we're like that, but I do also tend to send a text like, "No, hey, we talked about this before." Yeah, he's coming down there. You know, got like, him? you got him or not, or whatever. Or if then they're like, "Oh, well, we're not home," and I'm like, "Okay." So in my head, I've got to be like, "He's going to be home in like five to ten minutes," and if he's mm-hmm. not, I'm going to get on my bike and I'm going to go riding around mm-hmm. looking for him. Right and. Gosh, man. I mean, not, I'm not, and clearly no fault of anybody, clearly back in the day. Like, it's just how we lived, and it was fine, and for the most part, always fine. But gosh, right. So stinking scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally panic sometimes when I do send him somewhere because I'm like, oh my gosh. Did he make it? Is he coming mm-hmm. back? And oh, hate that feeling. Hate that feeling. You have to be hyper vigilant now, and especially you and I, because we just hear the worst of the worst. Like, right? Is this common? No. Is it common for us? Yes, because we talk about it all the time. <laughs> like, this is mm-hmm. all we do right. all day long, every day. Yeah. Is research the most horrible things that our um, people have ever done? So, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. I hadn't. Haven't yes. heard that one. I don't. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate appreciate you diving in and yeah. doing your basically your worst nightmare, literally. Mm-hmm. But, so. Well, you know what? That's not true. If it was unsolved, then it would be my worst nightmare. True. true. At least true. we caught the guy. Right. Right. And I do believe he did it. Like I don't. I no. And thank God they did catch him because he definitely would have gone on to victimize more people. Oh, and remember I told you he was a suspect suspect in two other cases. Mm-hmm. Those cases are actually still open. Oh. So there is a possibility that they may be able to tie him into those if he in fact was the person that killed right. those girls. Right. So well, I hope for well. justice for those families too. And I'm glad he's behind bars because bye boy. Bye guy. Yeah. Hundred percent. Bye, guy. See you later. You're not a good person, anyways. Like (laughs) all around, he was did not seem like he was a good person. So, no, he needed to be locked up. So, but thank you for doing that. Thanks, Ashley, for sending it our way. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the cases that everyone sends us, and we do not have a. We're not lacking. That's for sure. (laughs) We do have a list. You know what? We should talk about that actually because we. Love your suggestions for sure. It's kind of our thing that we get Mm -hmm. to tell stories that you guys want to hear. And we really love that about like this, you know, space for us. 
If we don't get to you right away, please know that we have your suggestion. It's just a very strategic thing, depending on how in-depth the case is and how much Mm -hmm. time we have, or like if we've done similar cases surrounding it, you know, we don't want to do a bunch of children all together because I feel like we would lose listeners. So we can't do those one right after the other. So we're kind of careful about how we pick them, but we do have your suggestion. We love it. We're It's on the list. We'll get to it. We promise. As long as you guys keep us on your ear, we'll, we'll work through the list. We'll get there. Yeah. I was going to say one example of that. I've had one on my list that I've been following, but there's been like stuff that is like currently happening. And so I mm-hmm. keep postponing doing it, mm-hmm. but then the stuff, in court keeps getting postponed. So I'm like, at some point, oh. it might have to be like, you know what? I'm going to give what I got and then update at some point. Mm-hmm. But the the listener who suggested it is actually a personal friend of mine. So she's understanding oh. with my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my hesitation on doing it right away. So we write yeah. every now and then. She'll send me an article like, oh, guess we have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. So. And if, if you do have you, – if you have sent in a case and we haven't gotten to it and you are wondering – I promise we have a reason. Send us a message and we'll tell you what it is because I promise we have – we don't ever skip suggestions. We write them all down and do our best. So, yes. We love y'all. Yes. Thank you so much for sending them our way um, and just keeping us – keeping our content rolling here. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, let us know what you think of this case. Um, Check out social media for sweet pictures of Cynthia and – not sweet pictures of Raz. Mm. Raz. My sister dated a guy named Raz. No way. Yeah. That was his real name. No, I had no idea what his real name was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> I was like a teen. But anyway. Hope it wasn't um, the same guy. Razmataz. I used to call him Razmataz. Oh, what the anyway, doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> let us know what you think. Check social media. Find us on Patreon. All of the links to all of our socials, anything that has to do with our little podcast over here is linked in our link tree on Instagram. So just go check that out. And just always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.